0: Welcome to our message for November 19th, 2023. Our text for today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. It's one of the stories that Jesus told. For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. "'Master, you handed over to me five talents. "'See, I have made five more talents.' "'His master said to him, "'Well done, good and trustworthy slave. "'You have been trustworthy in a few things. "'I will put you in charge of many things. "'Enter into the joy of your master.' "'The one who had the two talents also came forward saying, "'Master, you handed over to me two talents. "'See, I have made two more talents.' "'His master said to him, "'Well done, good and trustworthy slave.' You've been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward saying, Master, I knew that you are a harsh man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let us pray. Almighty God, I pray that you would send the Holy Spirit to work with us, to work in us, that the talents that you have given us might be used, that we might use those to multiply your kingdom and to share your grace everywhere we go. Lord, help us all to be faithful disciples. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. For too long, I was a proponent of cheap grace. While I claimed the Bible as my guide for daily life, I ignored many of its mandates. I only looked for the spiritual side of salvation. I was just looking for those parts of the Bible that talked about saving my soul and avoiding hell. My version of cheap grace included basically four components. Number one, believe the right things. Whatever right actually means. Doctrine was key. Cling to the creeds. Focus on the authority of scripture. Again, at least the parts of scripture that supported my theology. There were those parts about caring for the poor and clothing the naked that I could kind of ignore because they didn't really have anything to do with getting into heaven, I didn't believe. So believe the right things was step number one. Step number two, pray for Jesus to come into your heart. Now this was the key element of everything. All of salvation hinged on this one thing. Uh, Those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, according to the Apostle Paul. So the only purpose of ministry for me was to get people to pray the sinner's prayer. My only job, as I saw it early on, was to convince people to pray that prayer, to invite Jesus into their hearts so that they could also go to heaven. Never mind that no one in the Bible ever invited Jesus into their hearts. That language is just not there. Go back and read it. No one ever invited Jesus into their hearts. And Jesus never asked anyone to. But that was still the second point in my theology, to pray for Jesus to come into your heart. Number three, stay out of trouble. Don't do the don'ts. You know, don't drink, don't cuss, don't smoke, don't be promiscuous, don't do all of those things that that good morally upstanding folks didn't do. Doing those things might be evidence that I really didn't have Jesus in my heart. And I thought that if I did those things without confessing them, I might experience eternal fire, even though I had prayed the sinner's prayer. I might be going back on that sinner's prayer thing if I went back and did the don'ts. Number four was stay in church. I did believe that once we invite Jesus into our hearts, we should strengthen that relationship through regular church participation. So I was there every time the doors opened. Uh, We needed to work through the church, I believed, to make sure that others were saved. We needed to make sure we convinced all the other church people that we needed to get out and make sure that everybody else prayed that sinner's prayer so they could be like us. Plus, I was a preacher, so I needed people there. That's a basic understanding of the theology of my youth. But it never felt quite right. Or maybe I should say it didn't feel complete. Those components might have been important, but it didn't feel like that was the whole story. It is true that Paul says we are saved by grace through faith, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. We can't earn our salvation. It is a free gift. That is a, a basic component of United Methodism or Protestant faith that it is only by faith that we are saved. Still, other passages bothered me, though. Jesus said that we become children of God by loving our enemies. He said in the Sermon on the Mount, love those love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you so that you may become children of your Father in heaven. So it seems like there's a requirement there. Jesus told another parable that seems to indicate that the kingdom, that our entrance into the kingdom is determined by how we treat the least of these. Have we fed them? Have we clothed them? Have we visited them when they were sick and imprisoned? If we've done those things, then we are invited into the kingdom. If not, then we are excluded. Again, we may be saved by faith alone, but in that one, it seems that Jesus is expecting something out of us as well. And today's parable raises some questions about our role in discipleship, and it bothered me. Each of the servants is given talents with the expectation that they use them. One is given five, one is given two, and one is given one, and they are expected to put those talents to use for the king. Now, the one with five doubles his into ten, the one with two doubles his into four, but the one that only has one goes and buries his talent. He is afraid of losing it, afraid of using it, and so he buries it so that he can give it back in pristine shape to his master when he returns. That one is thrown into outer darkness because he failed to use his talent, because he wasn't willing to take the risk of using the talent. He is cast into outer darkness. It seems like Jesus thinks that life in the kingdom is connected to how we use the gifts that we've been given. I'm not saying that Paul is wrong. I'm certainly not saying that we earn our salvation But Jesus expects a certain kind of behavior from his followers. Jesus anticipates that we're going to live a certain way because we claim to follow him. Cheap grace tries to save the soul while letting the body go to hell. Following Christ requires that we use our talents, whatever we've been given, to bring heaven to earth. A dozen years ago, I shared a video with my youth group that changed my life. The title of the video is Made to Make a Difference. And it tells the story of young people who are using the talents that they have to truly bring the kingdom to earth. The very first story that came up was an eight-year-old boy, eight years old, who uh, loved to play basketball. And he decided he would use his love for basketball to invite God's kingdom to earth. He organized a thing called Hoops for Hope. And he said that he would shoot free throws, and for everyone that he made, he would recruit donors who would give money that he would then in turn give away to support those children that have been orphaned in Africa because of the AIDS epidemic. Beautiful story. the first year it was only him doing it, but it spread nationwide to where now that that eight year old has launched an effort that has that has provided millions of dollars in relief to orphans in Africa, eight years old, eight years old, made to make a difference. Now, does that give him a free pass into heaven? No, that's not the way that we get in, but he is behaving as a disciple. That's the way that Jesus followers act. The message hit me deep in my heart and I was hooked. We are not made to get off the planet. We are not made for heaven. Remember the creation story. God didn't create us for heaven. God created us for this world. We are made to make a difference in this world here and now. After our youth group watched that video, we decided to do the 30-hour famine. We committed to going without food for 30 hours from Friday after school until Saturday dinnertime as an act of solidarity with those who have no food. We got to experience the hunger that is a part of daily life for such a high percentage of the world's population. We committed ourselves to spending the night in town in cardboard boxes in solidarity with those people who are unhoused. There are people all around us who have nowhere to go to spend the night, and so we wanted to experience a tiny sample of their reality. In the process, we raised enough money to provide food, education, and health services for eight children for an entire year. It was an amazing ministry. It transformed the way that I thought about ministry. And yet it's so easy to forget. It's so easy to let our faith become so heavenly focused that it's no earthly good. But God's given you a talent. First, have you identified it? Do you know what it is? Well, what are you good at? What do you enjoy doing? You know, if you're good at something and you enjoy doing it, maybe that's your calling. As simple as shooting free throws. Maybe that's your calling that God is asking you to use the talent that God would ask you to invest. So what's your talent? What is your calling? This week, what will you do with your talent? right now in these closing moments, will you take time to consider a concrete way that you will use your talent for God, for God's kingdom to come on earth. God has blessed us so much. Let's use our blessings for God's purposes. Amen.